What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Hello, hello, test one, two. Okay, we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Evan Growth live stream. I'm Rymar. This is Joe. We're back with uh, episode 60. So episode number 60 today, we're going to dive deep into the Webflow sales process. Um, we go back to this every once in a while. You know, we dive deep into sales, and those tend to be fairly popular episodes. Everyone's always looking to figure out how to make more money with Webflow. So we're going to get into some of that, the details of... Um, you know, really the five steps to every sale, but specifically how they relate to Webflow. Uh, but you know, before we get too far into that, let's up and grow. All right, what's up, Joe? What's up, what's up? Talking about sales, my favorite. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this was early bonding stuff for Joe and I uh, in, in in the pre uh, working together phase, we always used to talk sales and talk shop and like get together on strategy. And that was one of the first things we kind of bonded over was our background in sales outside of Webflow. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's always been something that we, we, we enjoy talking about. And it's fun to kind of invite you all into the conversation with us. Let's say what's up to people who are in the crowd here. Uh, let's whoop, there you go. Victoria's in the house, Scott Humphrey. What's up, Scott Humphrey, Eric Freeland, Maria. Uh, Spencer's here. Hello, Felix, Magdalena, Sam Harrison, another YouTube content creator. Sam Harris, I spent some time on your, or Harrison, sorry, uh, sent some time on your YouTube channel the other day. Uh, nice stuff over there. Tanette, what's up? Excited for this week's topic? Yes, for sure. Uh, hello, everyone, and leave your thoughts in the comments as we go. We're going to jump into a couple little quick things. Joe, what do we have uh, up for folks first today? First, we get into announcements, mm -hmm. and the first announcement is that FN Pro is live. Hundreds of people have already signed up for a free account. We have now over 100 people, or close to that, that are on the pro level, and this is this is our all new community offering. Rymart, what is what is pro? Uh, you know, it's a ton of stuff. It's in addition to all the things we're doing regularly now, we're starting to roll specific features out as it relates to uh, the products we're building, the community we're trying to build around tools inside of Webflow. So, you know, the community that we operate for events and learning and different things as it relates to just Webflow in general, like that's gonna stay over here. That's uh, same stuff is gonna be in play, right? So all of the live streams, uh, we're starting a newsletter. You'll get that this month. If you're not subscribed, be sure to join that here. Uh, invites to all of our public events. We're still gonna have lots of free events. What we're really trying to do here is bring people into a more intimate one-on-one -on -one experience on the agency side and on the tools side, get early products or early access to some of those products, and then uh, you know access to some of the courses. We have our first members only hangout coming up um so let's see what is the first or third wednesday of every month so we'll have a uh, a members only hangout and just a couple things to note on that uh we are kind of in a pre-sale here so um this offer this lifetime offer will be valid through may 31st at that point the lifetime offer will disappear from there the pro annual rate will go from 79 to 99 dollars, and it'll stay that way for a while we may bring the lifetime back for special occasions special deals etc uh, but it's a lot of fun conversations just kind of getting started in that space and we're excited about everything that's going on with that um, if you're a pro uh, we just updated the dashboard with a little video so go check that video out um, 
And yeah, lots more updates to come on all of that, but uh, that's all we got. Let's get into the disclaimers and jump right into the show here today. Unless you got any other other thoughts there, Joe. No, no, great overview. Disclaimer, number one, sales is hard. Keep at it and you will find out that it will work for you. You will find a process that works for you, Mm. but it is hard. It's very rare for somebody to start in sales and just be good at it. You will be rejected, and yeah, it's it. Just remember that it is not easy. Disclaimer two. Sorry, I think the uh, the titles are sticking just a little bit here, so um, bear with us for that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to even jump on there. Like sales is hard in general, and especially like getting momentum going, especially in a new industry, especially in a field as. Uh, prolific as web design. So many people have been building websites and kind of doing this stuff for a long time just because Webflow's new, right? So a lot of times people get locked up in this, you know, idea of Webflow and, and they get really excited. But, you know, web design has been around, this business has been around for a long time. So finding a way to crack that nut is hard. Like Joe said, you kind of got to stick with it. Um, and if you're starting out, you know, we're going to go through five steps to every sale. If you're just starting out, you want to focus on steps one and two kind of exclusively at the beginning. Um, And so that'll make sense as we reveal these, but just keep that in mind that as we go through, you wanna focus on steps one and two almost exclusively until you get to that steady lead flow. And then from there, you wanna kinda keep maintaining that attention. So always keep that in mind as as we go here um, inside of sales. So Joe, anything we missed on the disclaimer? That's it. Let's get into the audience prompt. Audience, we're asking you, how do you get hyped for your sales process? What do you do in your sales process to get excited? That is the question we're asking. Go ahead, put that in the chat. Let's make this interactive. We'll pick out some comments and we will talk about it. Yep. Yeah, um, for sure. Let's see. And yeah, leave leave those thoughts in the comments all about how do you get prepped for it, right? Um, Some of the sales process is not super glamorous it's not always exciting to follow up with emails and to you know refine your lead gen process or your email drip campaign or whatever the heck it is that drives you leads you know it's not always fun or like super exciting definitely not as exciting as building something new and beautiful in webflow you know like that's the fun part right and so we get lost uh, we learn this new skill we get excited about building stuff so like we want to know what is it that drives you to actually like you know, go make this work as opposed to just playing and building beautiful things all day. Cause sometimes that's what I always just want to get lost, you know, doing is just building fun stuff. Right. But you got to make a business out of this if you're going to do this long term. So, um, let's jump into that right off the top here, Joe. So no further ado, let's jump into the five steps. Uh, we've talked about these before. Um, we've also talked about, uh, I don't know, fill in for a second, Joe. I, I put this graphic together because we talk about this concept all the time and I want to talk about like, um, you know, the concept of just selling a little bit, but yeah, open up with, uh, and, and, and your thoughts on these five steps or just the concept of breaking sales down because these five steps are effective no matter what you're selling. We're talking specifically about Webflow today. So we're going to tie everything back to Webflow. But basically what we've done here is these are like the just core five steps to any sales process and the things you have to go through in the road from taking somebody from they don't know anything about your product. They have no sales intent at all to at the end of the day, they're like a raving fan, you know, and so these five steps happen along that process, no matter what you're selling. If your goal is to get somebody who doesn't know anything about you and get them to the place where they're ready to spend some money with you, these five things are going to happen. So, Joe, thoughts there? 
Let's get right into it. Number one, the win my attention. Mm. This is step number one. Somebody has to know who you are. You have to stand out somehow. Somebody has to contact you for your service. And that can be through portfolio, community involvement, resources, uh, any kind of video, marketing, content, anything to get somebody's attention. You have to do that. That's a, a first step here to get that lead through to your funnel. Rymar, what else with that? Yeah, I always tell people there's like two steps before you can even start selling anything. You know, first you have to get me to understand why, like, first you have to like draw me in, right? You have to like show me something and you have to convince me why I should listen to you. You know, and I think so many times people just start selling, especially with Webflow. Um, this is where we bring up this this uh, graphic. I just, I finally did a graphic for it. I talk about this all the time about how like um, Webflow and what we sell is not like, like, we get excited about being this creative web flower. You know, this thing that can like, give people the power to throw fireballs. But really what we're selling is the customer with these superpowers, right? And so at the beginning of that process, you have to first establish that like the thing that you're selling is not what you get excited about. We all get excited about the tool. We all get excited about Webflow. We all get excited about this creative ability. But the client, they just have needs and things that they want to do, you know? And so your job is to, to, to somehow on this path, show them that you have the ability, you're this flower, this web flower, if you will, that can give them the ability to reach their online goals and to do these things. And so the first step to that is always kind of breaking in and getting that attention. Um, and, and, and yeah, we've talked a number of ways to do that with different, you know, through the, through the different episodes about building the portfolio, how to get involved in the community, how to build clonables. Like we've had episodes on all of these over the last six months or so, but the next step is turning that attention into action, right? Lots of people can go viral. Lots of people can generate attention. Lots of people can get people excited for a, a brief little moment, but how do you capture that? You know, how do you turn that attention into actionable stuff? Um, you know, I, how do you experiment with your lead generation, right? Like, what are the things you do to, to you know, like get people to trust and, 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 and get involved? Joe, like, what, what, you know, what do we do there? Like, that takes us into step two, really, right? So step one is getting the attention, but converting that attention into action is like the hard part, right? So this is where we talked about disclaimer, you need to focus on step one and step two. So step one is getting that attention. This is that building the portfolio, getting involved, blah, 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 whatever. And then learning how to turn that attention into action. Those kind of two phases of that first step are vital for anyone trying to break into the space. And the way you do that is you start telling a good story. So Joe, you know, like step two, right? So step one's win my attention. Step two is tell a good story. How do we start there? Well, when you get somebody's attention, it has to be interesting. That's what I think the story part is about. The, you know, you can put out an ad, an advertisement, and that's that can win somebody's attention. But if they click on the ad and there's nothing interesting when they get to that landing page, then you're not doing a good job telling the story, mm. giving somebody a reason to continue with you. So. When, when you tell a story, you, you reach something emotional. And I think that that makes it interesting. That is why somebody would want to move forward with you because there's some emotional connection. They like what you're doing. They like what you're saying. They like your brand. They like your colors, whatever it is. 
this is all what I see as part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And that story, we talked about this. It was in episode 38. We, we talked about brand building and we talked about the value of storytelling to build a brand. Um, and we broke down that building a brand is essentially a unique story that drives relatable action. So there was like this short little takeaway, this little sent one sentence to remember about like what makes a great brand. And that was a unique story that drives relatable action. And so that story is something that really creates stickiness. If you go back to, we've talked about this a number of times, just our core foundations as a society, before we had words, before we had websites, before we had TV or radio or any of this shit, we had stories, you know, and the people who captivated, the people who were able to tell the best stories were the ones that built the, um, really the culture that society was founded on. Right. And we talked about this during the open house talk. If you were there, I brought up this little excerpt that talked about the cycle of how, um, you know, technology leads to new stories. Those stories lead to culture. The culture leads to formation of more technology. And then technology gives people more opportunities to tell stories, which means they get to create the rules. And this is an endless loop, you know. And so the better you get at telling stories, the better you get at impacting not just your sales effort, but people and society, et cetera, because we're all captivated by good stories. You know, when you get someone and they just wrap you up, a good comedian or a good, uh, just any kind of storyteller, a good movie, any, any of this stuff, it works on a specific arc, you know? And so that's just naturally ingrained as part of our psyche. And the more you can bring some of those story elements into your sales process, the better you're gonna get at winning. And the reason is because it helps you build trust, right? Which goes into step number three. Joe, any other thoughts on the story side of, of things there? And there's so many good ways to do this with Webflow, the story side of things. That's, that's exactly what I wanna get into. Relate this to your everyday sales process. A lot of people think of telling a story as an actual brand story, a timeline, a written piece explaining the story something that we're doing now in the community being very vocal about how we want to help. This is a story, but you also face, you also create a story every time you work on a client project. If you help a client do something great in their business, that is a story. And that is a story that you should continue selling throughout your sales process. So when I was selling, the stories that I told were the work that I did for other clients. When I heard something that was similar or uh, a relatable type of feature, I'd say, oh yeah, I did this work for this company. Check it out, here's the webpage. And look, it has the same thing that you're talking about. This helped them reduce their time to enter content by 150% because they moved off of their dev team. That's a story. You start to have three, four, five, six, ten of these, and now it's just undeniable that you are doing important things. You're, you're doing interesting things. Every time somebody hears your story with a client, they should find it interesting. And when it's good stuff, when it's really valuable stuff or stuff that the lead is looking for, that's how you gain trust. They say, oh, this person's done this type of work in the past. This person knows exactly my problem and has fixed it for other companies. Yeah. Now we are starting to gain trust. So Raimar, how do we continue on this path to gain that trust? Yeah, I actually wanna spend just another second on the story thing, because I had a thought as you were talking there about how we think about our sales process and we talked about these five steps to every sale. Well, guess what businesses are trying to do? They're trying to sell. 
right? And so that means that they have a five-step process they're trying to go through. And part of that story or part of that process is their story, right? And one of the ways you can use this story element in building sales leads and Webflow is helping businesses tell good stories, right? This is where Webflow becomes so powerful because a lot of times the way you can generate sales demand is by having other clients who, you know, you've really helped do a certain thing. I'd be interested to know what some of the successful Webflow developers who are in the audience right now watching this either now or in the future, uh, share in the comments, like, what is the story you tell? Why do clients come to you, right? For FinSuite, it's badass, crazy, just you want to do something in Webflow that you know, you're like, I don't know if we can do this. It's got to be like, you know, cutting edge. It's got to be super beautiful. You know, and so it's like, okay, we build F and sweet Webflow websites for, you know, a bubble developer that may be, hey, we build little logic flows that help you automate work things, you know? And so like, that's part of that story, right? What is going back to, you know, that image, what is the client with superpowers look like? Right? What does this customer with superpowers look like? What's, how can you help them tell that story? How can you help the customer see themselves in those shoes? Rather than again, focusing on what's exciting about Webflow and what's exciting about the work we do, more importantly, how can you get the customer to see their story potentially told through your lens? You know, How do they say that like, man, this is the person I need to do this work for me because X, because I like how they do this, because I love their illustrations, because I like whatever. All that gets them thinking like, oh, they're gonna help me tell my story so well. It doesn't matter what they say about anything else. Like, I just want them to do that. And that comes to building trust, right? That comes to what you're talking about, which is step three. So step one, win my attention. Step two, Captivate me with some kind of story. Give me some kind of perspective that shows you as the person who can solve my problems. That's it, right? If you are the person who can solve my problems in a sales process, like you're more likely than not to be the person who wins that deal. And so you do that by consistently delivering on the work, which again is the hard thing to do. Building trust goes back to breaking into the space. It goes back to having a portfolio. So if you're new, maybe you don't have a portfolio. Right, it goes out to standing out in the community. Well, if you're new, it's hard to stand out in the community because nobody knows you, right? And so this is why it's hard to, to be somebody new in this community and see somebody who's been in it for five or 10 years and be like, oh yeah, well, they just have that advantage. I can't do that, you know? And so, um, Joe, how can people build trust? How can they use that story to start building trust, especially as it relates to sales? In my mind, this comes down to delivering quality work for clients, but how do you do that if you don't have clients yet? You know, like how, if you're starting from scratch, how do you start building this trust with folks? First, let me answer just in general, how, how you help validate you as a, a person, as somebody building in Webflow. Number one is having work that is relatable. So if a client comes to you, a lead comes to you asking for something, you should have some work that is somewhat relatable to this, that they can look at and say, okay, this is exactly what I need or close enough to what I need. That shows me this person is good. And then number two, it's very useful to have people that are willing to speak positively about you, mm -hmm. past clients. Sometimes you have somebody that says, hey, I need two references. I just need to call two people or I need to email two people and you need to have those people ready to go on call. So that goes with consistently delivering. When you deliver, people will absolutely do this for you. So these are two things you need. But if you're just starting out, you may not have any of those. 
we do a lot of talking about this in previous episodes. It comes down to jumping into the project and really delivering value before the sale has happened. Mm. If they're asking how to do something or they're saying, hey, I'm not sure about your illustration skills, show them your illustration skills, give them a sample. Oh, I'm not sure if you understand the complexity of this problem. Write out a few paragraphs explaining how you would fix the problem. Jump into it, get ready. You can start to validate your knowledge just by doing the work, by by physically proving that you're able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is where, again, if you're just starting out, a great way to build trust is, you know, like starting with the community. The community has got a lower threshold for, you know, like what they'll accept is like a cool project than most clients do because there's no money on the line, right? And so if you do a cool clonable or you release something into the community or you create some kind of resource, it's gonna get a lot less technical scrutiny. It's gonna get a lot less like, it's just gonna get a lot more emotional like, oh, hey, this is cool. Look at what so-and-so did, right? It's not gonna go through the same meat grinder. And so creating tools for the resources and I go back to this clonable stuff. I can't, I, I saw, um, I wish I would've saved the tweet. Somebody was talking about um, on Twitter, just the number of clones they get. And I was like, oh, I thought it was just me. Cause every once in a while, like every quarter, every six months or something, I go and I count up all my clones and I'm like, holy shit, you know, like 3000 clones or however many, it's like some insane number of clones. And I don't like make clonables anymore. I don't make clonables. If you go three, four, five years ago on my Webflow profile, I started the first thing I found Webflow and I was like, holy shit, what is this? And you can see it right there, my first Webflow website. And it's just an experiment and interactions and just toying around with shit. And people started cloning it and I was like, oh, what is this, you know? And all of a sudden I was like, there's something cool here. There's like a social element to this thing that I've been doing for years with WordPress that I never, like you can't really share WordPress in that same way. You can't share any other tool in that same way, not that I knew of at the time. And so that like infatuation with being able to build and go in, built me a little trust with a couple of folks. I went to the Webflow uh, Facebook group and I shared this thing and I was like, hey, look at me, you know? And the community was a little smaller then, sure, okay. Um, but then I did that again a week later and a week later and a couple days later and then boom, a, a one that goes a little viral because it was like cool and simple and it's still there, the card fan on hover, it's still like every month um, there's two that get cloned a lot. There's no code video and then there's that card fan on hover. Those are the two things that on my profile are always getting cloned and I'm still surprised. Those are some of the earliest things I ever did and literally they're still being found and so that started creating a little bit of trust in the community. And then I started using those to like brag on Facebook about, look at these things I can do, which started piquing people's interest who were just around looking for like website stuff. And then next thing you know, I get a lead. I get somebody that says, hey, you know, like we want help with Webflow. And it wasn't like the top tier client, right? Because those clients were coming to other agencies. They were coming to the big agencies. But for me, it was like a lead. It was like, okay, hey, somebody wants to pay me some money, cool. And then it started experimenting. I started experimenting with the price. I started experimenting with, I never stopped doing the clonables either. I just kept, okay, that worked, that built some credibility, let's keep going. And so that's why I would encourage everyone is to find that thing and that may not be clonables for you, that may be YouTube videos, that may be a little meetup, that could be, I don't know, there's a million things that you could do that, that becomes that in your own world. But I do think everyone needs to find a little something like that, that becomes a, a tool or a process that they can continually fall back on to generate leads, to generate attention so that you can start telling the story, so that you can start building trust, so that you can then take the next step in the sales process. You know, all those things have to be there. Step one, step two, step three, 
right? If you skip any of those, you can't do step four because step four is asking for the sale. And step four should just be a logical conclusion of step one, two, and three. If you generate enough attention and you tell a good enough story and you build trust effectively, then it just becomes about a numbers game. How many people can you put to the top of that funnel to get to the point where they're just like, I need to do business with these folks. They're the ones that are gonna solve my problem. They're the ones that I need them to build my website. I, I just need, I need it to be you. And that's not everyone's gonna get to that point, but that's the goal here, you know, is to get to that place where asking for the sale is just a logical progression in this workflow that's already been happening for months and years. You just, you know, like it's compounding interest. You didn't know it, but the thing you did three years ago is what's gonna drive the sale tomorrow, you know? So if you don't have those things, you can't do that. So that is what trust is. That's a Joe, any, any, any missing there before we jump into like really asking for that sale? Yeah, that, that's a great overview of trust. So important. And if you're missing that step, it's probably not going to work. You could hit all the four steps mm -hmm. and the trust one is just crucial. Yeah. I'd say it's the most important one. So that's number three. And number four is asking for the sale, a compelling call to action. When I sell, I like to be very forward about selling. I'm telling people this is a sales process, a sales call, and I'm going to lead you in the right direction. I don't want it to be secretive. You don't want to come off as, is this person trying to sell me? Or are they not trying to sell me? Or like, you don't want any kind of non, uh, something that's not clear or something that may be confusing. Full transparency, that's the best way to do sales. Mm. So when I ask for the sale, I like to literally ask for the sale. So we've done this, we've done this. I think we're ready to move forward. I would love to write up a statement of work, get it over to you. We could start as soon as tomorrow. Mm. Bam, very forward. And when people want to work with you, when you, they do the step one, two, and three, and you are, and they are interested, when you say something like that, they are ready to sign and they're ready to start tomorrow. Yep. So that's how I like to do it. Reimar, what what do you do when you're asking for the sale? Yeah, it's been a while too because I haven't sold websites in a year and a half since I really started here. Um, I, I kind of hand off all those leads now and um, I have a deep-seated idea that basically every interaction in life is a sale of one of four things, either time, service, product, or idea. And the better you get at kind of following these five steps, you know, like the better you get at kind of interacting with folks. And some of them are super transactional in the context that like you see them as a sales process, like what Joe just talked about, where you want to specifically ask for the sale. And that's kind of the context we're focusing this conversation. So in my mind, it's about building up momentum towards those closing statements, right? So it's validating all the way down the process again, that you're the person that's gonna solve their problems, that you're the fireball flower that they need to, you know, to, to, to be the Mario they wanna be, you know? Um, and so I think practicing, phrasing questions and making that closing statement is something you should do well. Like Joe doesn't mince words when it comes to like what he just talked about. Hey, we did X, Y, and Z, you know, we feel we could move forward. Boom, and so you gotta get used to, what's it gonna take to earn your business? Like what, if we do X, Y, and Z, can we move forward with this project, right? So you could lead to those things earlier on in your sales process where you're just like, oh, okay, so if we were able to do these things, like we, we, you know, we got a deal, right? And so you could get early commitments on certain things as you move forward. And so I would just you know, start learning how to kind of 
use questions and reinforce the questions they ask you, right? To basically build up that buying momentum, that impulse, that, that intention, you know, um, to cash in on all the trust you built, right? At this point, you've been doing all the things right. You know, at this point, this is the next logical step. And the interesting thing is that you, you, you like, this is where building demand comes into play. If you have demand and there is like, uh, you know, some kind of allure of like, oh, I can't have this. People want it even more. Right. And so this is where, again, having all that attention, having a, a solid lead, lead flow, having some process that takes that attention and converts it into some kind of conversations where you can be in this point. But then having enough of those to allow you to kind of be a little picky about who you do business with and who you actually accept, that puts you in charge. Right. We talk all the time about if you're kind of desperate to make a sale, it's a lot harder to make the sale. Whereas if you're in a position where hey, I got three or four other accounts already lined up, I'm booked out for two months. Now you're in charge, you know? And so um, I really think that the better you get at all, that step one, two, and three, the easier step four becomes. Step four should not be hard. Like it should not, if you find yourself in a difficult position trying to convince people to pay you to do your work in this space, you haven't done a good enough job up to that point. Or you're treating it like a commodity. And websites are easily seen as commodities by lots of people right now. You know, websites is something a business needs to have. It's something they'll do. Maybe they don't really see the value in spending a bunch of money on it. So they're just looking for the cheapest person to get it done. If that's who you're selling to, you're going to have a hard time doing any of the stuff we've talked about here. You know, like if that's you, I doubt there's many of the, those people in our audience, but I don't know, Joe, what do you think? I, I think most people in that mindset are probably going to have a hard time doing a lot of the stuff we've talked about in this episode because now you're just racing kind of to the bottom. You're competing just on price or speed or something like that. And it's hard to build value in those kind of sales transactions. So that's where I see the limitation here. I think you got to set up a threshold and a benchmark for the type of clients you want to attract. Um, and that goes back to the type of story you want to tell, which goes back to the trust, you know, you hope to build. And so I don't know, Joe, any, any thoughts on that? I really think the asking for the sale should be an easy, easy part of this process. Yeah, that's actually one of one of my red flags. If step four is hard, that's a red flag. Mm. That means maybe back away from the project. Because when you are good at step one, two, and three, and step four is hard, that means that person may not be a right fit for you, mm. may not be a right culture fit. They may not truly appreciate what you're about to do for them. So when you're first starting out, of course, you can't just say no to all these difficult step fours. It may be difficult to do step four and ask when you're first starting out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about delivering on three, one, two, and three, and then four doesn't work out. You really need to look at what that problem is. Is that you messing up the early steps or is that the client just not being a right fit for you? But yeah, absolutely. That's why when I started this section, I said, I just asked for the sale that we're ready to move forward. This is a project that we want to take. I can do statement of work today and we can get started tomorrow. Yeah. Because it's really not supposed to be difficult. And most people say yes to that. And guess what? The statement of work is a list of all their problems. Yep. This is what you need. We're going to do it. This is what you asked for. We're going to do it. This is what you asked for. And when they see that, they're ready to sign and move forward. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I think that maybe, like you talked about, one of the things that's happening in that instance is maybe you're pushing too many people forward into that, you know, they're ready to buy phase or they're, because you want to just close more deals. And so then you get a little loose with the leads you let through and then you start forcing deals and then you get into like stuff we've talked about before about, you know, just shit clients or, or having like just being in tough, tough situations with the team. So I agree. I think I think step four. So let's recap real quick. Step one was winning my attention. Step two was telling a story and you can start to tell the story. And I think step two is something you start to do. And eventually, as you get better at step two, one will happen more and more. Uh, but really, step two, the telling the story is what helps you do one effectively get as much attention as possible and also build trust. So I don't know, maybe maybe at some level the order is reversed. We got to we got to start with the story. I don't know. Start with the why. Um, but uh, OK, so step one, win my attention. Step two, tell the good story. Step three, gain my trust. Step four is asking for the sale. And so step five, in my mind, is the most important step in all of this, because this is how you build the legacy. This is how you this is how you reinforce the trust. This is how like you stack projects on top of each other so that one project is for two grand and then the next project's for five grand and then the next project's for 10 grand and then the next project's for 15 grand and you just build and build and build because you're building on the back of the next one and that's delivering the goods, right? This is where the social sales starts. This is where the real branding starts. This is where everything you've worked so hard, like this story you've worked so hard to like get people to believe could be true actually has to become true. Right. And as soon as you get people telling your story for you, step four is not a thing you need to worry about anymore. Right. And so that's what the process of building a brand is. I really think you should go back and listen to episode 38 about building a brand. That was a really good conversation um, that we had uh, a few weeks ago. But yeah, I think that like the social sales process begins. And I think all of web sales is social at some level because it's all about the Internet. Uh, begins after you take that money. After somebody says, okay, I trust you, right? You've got my attention. I've listened to your story. I trust you. Take my money. Now what? I don't know. That's on you, right? And so that's where the brands get built. That's where the story really comes to life. And then that customer becomes a referral. That customer becomes a positive tweet. That customer becomes part of your story, like Joe said at the beginning, and now you use that story to reinforce the story and it becomes this loop and that feedback loop just boom, it just, and that's the exponential growth, right? And after cycles and cycles and cycles of that, it becomes a, a, a momentum machine that just goes, you know, and you build sales momentum. You build like opportunities that you didn't even think were real because they just lead to the next open door. So Joe, um, what, what do you think about delivering on, on the goods and, you know, really starting to, to build that brand after you take that dollar. Loop is the best way to describe it. When you do step five, delivering the goods, it makes step one, two, three, and four easier. Mm. And it continues to get easier and easier with every successful five. Because you get to tell the good story. Remember, every project you do can be turned into a story if you deliver the goods. You can gain trust of anybody if you deliver the goods. That is just, it's just how it works. It's a loop. You, if you don't do five, you will not have a long business. 
You'll be operating for a few months or a few years and you'll either give up or go out of business. Five is a requirement to continue that loop. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to, um, the loop that just saying that that way made me think of like, th there's nothing new here. If you haven't heard about this stuff, you're not like, I don't think you're, you, you probably need to spend some time looking into like modern sales and marketing stuff because none of the stuff we're talking about here should be rocket science to anyone. And I want to actually bring this up, like go read about HubSpot was like the initiator of, not the initiator, but just like Webflow's kind of owning the uh, no code space, HubSpot owned the inbound marketing world, right? Uh, maybe like eight years ago, something like that. And at the time they were talking about, and most people in sales talk about a funnel, right? The funnel is the top of the funnel. And it's like, uh, you, know, you wanna get as many people at the top to get them to the bottom. That's a sales process, a very common analogy. Uh, but what Joe's talking about and what we've talked about in this five steps to the sale is that flywheel concept. And if you're familiar with like how inbound marketing has evolved from essentially being an open funnel to this flywheel mechanism, and I'll show you what I'm talking about here, where it's basically the same thing we're talking about, right? Attracting, engaging, delighting. This is your sales cycle. This is the five steps fall inside of here, right? And so strangers at that level, you're attracting them. You turn them into prospects as they get engaged, right? Now they become customers. And so you delight them and then they become promoters of your product, which reach more strangers. And this flywheel, you know, this thing here, it's like a vertical top down view on the funnel. If you think, I don't know if any of y'all remember like going to the grocery store and those big yellow funnels where you could put a penny on it and it would like, you know, go around the loop, 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 loop. And eventually at the bottom, it would fall out. This is like that funnel, right? Your marketing funnel is that loop. And this is just a different view at it. So you're looking at it at the top. And so the way people go down this thing, ideally is through through this kind of looping thing. So just ways to think about that. Um, we, could, we could probably spend all day talking about modern marketing uh, stuff like this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm open to kind of flipping some of that, but yeah, that leads to sales momentum. Joe, I don't know if that sparked any thoughts there. We have a couple more uh, talking points, but I'd be interested just in your thoughts and in the community, you know, in the, in the audience here, like, uh, you know, 80 plus watching. Um, what are your thoughts on what we've talked about today? The five steps to the sale, this kind of flywheel model, the, the business loop, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, be interested in some of your thoughts and then, and then, yeah, Joe, uh, any, any, any thoughts there before we jump into the next bullet? We talk about this loop in the FinSuite strategy page. Mm. That's a, an interactive story about year one, two, and three of FinSuite. And it explains this loop process specifically around better portfolio items. So when we talk about growth, it doesn't just mean more projects. It should also mean better projects. So when I do these small sites and then I start to see medium sites and medium sites and now I'm, uh, now I'm big sites, big sites, this is a totally different type of growth. It's not just going from two clients to four clients active. It's going from two okay clients to four rock solid clients. And this is growth. It could be done at the freelancer level. It could be done at the agency level. This is how you really grow in this industry. So yeah, this is, it all works together. It's really important. And, and you, yeah, all of this builds. Yes. And you curate that story over time, you know, um, the FinSuite story is a good one in this context. <clears throat> and so is mine. Like I, we could use both stories. Like the FinSuite site that you see today is not the site you saw 
that we landed, you know, the first few clients with. And the site we release, you know, upcoming will just be a whole another step up. Same thing with like my personal website. I remember when I was like doing in the web, uh, WordPress world, people would see my website and they're like, I want that. You know, that was the thing. That was the story and the trust people would, would see. They're like, they'd see my website, they'd see, you know, my blog articles, they'd see this huge network of web stuff and they'd be like, I want that. And I'm like, me too. That's why the fuck I built it. <laughs> but it took five years to build the damn thing. You know, like you're a new client. I can't build this for you. You don't, you can't even tell me what content goes on the homepage, let alone what I'm gonna fill a blog with. What are you talking about? This shit takes time, right? So the same thing with your sales process, the same thing with all of this, right? You have to refine the story. You have to understand that like, this is why people say just start. This is why they say just put it out there and done is better than perfect because done at least allows you to have a benchmark by which to go back and reference against, right? Rather than it's always just sitting in your head. If it's always sitting in your head, it can never be wrong. Every, every idea I've ever had in my head is always a million dollar idea, like every, every single one. I'm just like, oh fuck, yeah, that's so easy, go, yeah. And then you try to do it and you're like, shit, that's not that easy, right? And so this is sales. Yeah, sure, why aren't people buying websites for me? I don't know, why aren't they? You know, and so there's a number of reasons that we tackled throughout the whole thing, but I think refining that story, finding ways to benchmark yourself, being realistic about where you are currently and what price point you wanna be at. There was somebody in our pro channel just recently that was asking and saying, hey, I wanna go development only and I wanna like set a $10,000 minimum for project size. Is this possible kind of thing, you know? And sure, anything's possible and I like setting that intention, but if $10,000, if you've never sold a $10,000 project to think that the first next project you go out and sell is gonna be $10,000, I don't know. That's Maybe if you're selling five, six, $8,000 projects, that's not a crazy jump, right? But then how do you reshift that value? How do you reshift the story? How do you go from doing one thing to then doing another and getting people to pay you different from what you were, you were doing previously? That's the challenge. That's that refining that story. That's the shaping and molding and testing and exploring. You know, we talked a little bit about exploring your pricing. You know how to, uh, when you get started, uh, what, what section was that under? Um, at the beginning, you know, experimenting with trust. So turning this attention to leads, right? So experimenting with the pricing, you could set a price for $10,000 and then be like, oh yeah, I sell like two websites a year. Or you could sell $6,000 websites and sell twice as many. I don't know, right? So experiment with that and then figure out how to take that $6,000 client and turn them into a $10,000 client over the course of a couple months or with some upsales or with some other things. You know, so don't ever think that just because you figured it out once or because you sold a website one time, it's gonna be that way or that your process is always just gonna work. This is a constantly evolving thing that you always need to be iterating on. The story, the brand, everything. Um, anyway, Joe, thoughts there? Constantly evolving. This could evolve in a matter of months. You could say, I have a 10,000 minimum now and that could jump to 12 in four months when you have way too many leads. Mm. It could it could happen in six months. It could happen in two years. The point is, it w it can happen. It will happen, and you just have to be ready to to iterate, to change the way you do things, to to update your process, to change which project projects you show. You know, now that we are development only, our gaining trust is a little bit different. 
are attracting attention is a little bit different because we're focusing on development. We are not focusing on interactions anymore. We're not focusing on design anymore. And because of that, everything that we're doing is shifting. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's a big change. And even if you're a freelancer, these changes can be big, but go ahead with them. Your business is always evolving. Yeah. Um, yeah, people trust businesses that other people trust, you know? And this Webflow industry is going to continue to grow. I know you might be jumping into this and seeing everything that's happening. And you're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to compete. Blah, blah. No, no, no. You are at the perfect time to start competing. Like you're just at the point where people are starting to be like, oh, yeah, Webflow, that's real. Right. Two, three years ago, it was hard. Sometimes people look at Webflow and they're like, no, that's not that's not the thing. You know, I'm going to be stuck over here. I'm, I'm WordPress. I'm, I'm Squarespace. I'm Wix. I'm whatever. That, that. Right now, people are like, yeah, Webflow, I need that, you know, and so now is now is where you can start running because now Webflow has trust. Right. So like our five steps come behind another five steps and Webflow's got a real good story and they're gaining lots of attention right now. Right. So they're in that loop where they're building their trust. They're expanding their flywheel. They're delivering the goods, you know, which turns us into raving fans which then becomes the press, you know, like the, the platform we stand on to go sell our clients, you know, superpowers. And so don't think that this is like uh, some insurmountable thing. If you look at how big like the web design market is and how small Webflow is in comparison to that right now, there's nothing but upside for anybody who wants to jump into this game right now, right? There in a year, we're gonna be talking about a whole different slew of characters and a year ago, there were people that are now standouts in this community who nobody even knew about. Six months ago, you could say the same thing. And in six months from now, there will be somebody new. I promise you, mark my words, somebody will come onto the scene in the next six, six to 12 months and take the whole scene by storm by doing something unique. So, uh, what's that brand thing? A, a unique story that drives relatable action. Somebody's gonna do that and it could be you. I, I really think somebody in this audience, right? Somebody who's maybe not necessarily just studying these episodes, but somebody in this space who's watching, who's creeping, who's you know looking to see what's around, they're gonna come out with something super cool. And I, there's no reason why it can't be you. You know, the only reasons I would see is just the lack of dedication or the lack of execution on a specific thing, uh, because there's people that are way smarter than us and way more capable than us in this space at certain things. We're just tenacious and we're really good at the sales side of things and then delivering the goods. And then we're building this flywheel, right? And that flywheel becomes powerful over time. And so you might be better at one little thing, you might be better, but find the thing that you're better at, right? That's one thing like when I started on this team that Joe, uh, that still sticks with me. He's like, the way I build this team is I look for somebody that's just better at one thing than me. And then that's how we build the team. And every person fills a gap, you know? And so where, is the gap that you're filling in this space, in your client's world, in you know the path to their superpowers, their fireball, you know, path? Like, where are you the flower that they're going to pick? You know, how do you become that? So I don't know. That's just uh, I know we, <laughs> we keep probably going in circles <laughs> here, but um, there's so much well, opportunity. It's about here. the flywheel. Yeah, there's so much opportunity. It's about that flywheel. It's it's about this the i'll bring it up again this word loop i love it i'd love to bring up a comment from nicola toledo my tactic is to over deliver and sell the next more than the other you see that comment oh, yes damn. Was me. there's been comments this whole time huh 
There's a lot of comments. Yeah. <laughs> My comments froze like I think a couple minutes into the stream. I'm just now seeing like all these comments here. Okay. Yep. All right. We can go through. Yep. Go let's through go through. These. We'll address them. Uh, give me give me one second. You can read it and give me mm -hmm. one second. I'll pull them into the stream here. Sure. So Nicholas says that the tactic is to over deliver that step five, the delivery to do more of that over deliver more than expected. And that's going to help you get better projects, get more money, get better stories. If every client project you do is a story and you are over delivering on that project, you are creating a better story. You're creating a more feature rich story, a more interesting story. I can't tell you how many free SEO pages we have built for clients. It's just too easy. You, you can set up a template page for an SEO template very easily. Go fill in a couple of items for them. And now this client has this SEO page, landing page, call to action type thing he can work with. So this is super powerful and this is over delivering. Now, when we go and tell our story to other people, we can say, look at this thing that we've built for this client. We've actually seen their SEO improve since last year. That's super powerful. So yeah, Nicola, I really like that comment. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. I, I was feeling real like, I was like, damn, we're, like we're not getting any like any comments. I was over here feeling real hurt, y'all. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I didn't see Nicola's, there's too many in here, but um, let's, we can, we can run through, um, we can run through some of these here. Vibor is saying, for me, it's about getting my introvert ass to talk to people and reach out in my network for referrals and even just reach out to different businesses in my locality. Yes, um, I think that's it. That's some of the stuff of just doing the, the behavior, doing the activity, doing generating the sales. You know, we, we, we talked a little about a bit about generating that sales momentum and that flywheel and how that builds up over time. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, just do it. You gotta do the work. Right. Yeah, don't you if you're an introvert and you are making that type of comment, you may be overthinking it. You may you may just be holding yourself back. Just do it. It will be maybe pretty bad the first few times, but just keep doing it. It will be more and more natural. Yeah, I will also say. Um, you can reach out to your network for referrals. But don't, the world is your network, right? Like I have a, a buddy in, um, on the east coast of Florida right now, trying to sell websites, literally sent me a flyer. He's going door to door. And I'm like, damn, I did that. I know that, that's not the way, right? Your local market may be a place and maybe he'll, you know, like he's, he's resourceful. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he puts that flyer into the right people's hands and he gets some deals. However, you know, like the world is there and we're playing with a tool that lets you tell whatever story you want on the internet. Uh, one of Vlad's favorite stories to tell, like as a Webflow use case, were like these crowdfunding folks that early in the day of Webflow were like manually updating this fake crowdfunding site in Webflow. And they made it look like they built something, but they didn't build shit. But they went viral marketing, like they had some platform. And it was literally like they take donations on some other thing and then they'd come back and update the site and like, you know, they were like, Duh, and they were the logic layer, but they did it and they marketed it. I have another friend literally on the other side of this wall, good buddy of mine, building software, 
he's my he's my next door neighbor got a product got to the mvp level i keep telling them got to start building audience right which is what vibor is talking about here you have to start getting people that want to listen you have to get that attention you have to start getting people that are willing to buy the things you want to build we get lost we're all builders so we get lost with that again in that in that you know uh fireball analogy we get lost being this like pretty flower that can do all these cool things now but if you want to sell it you have to do the other thing you have to find out you know who's the person you can sell so let's see what can else? you bring up that next comment which one you you had a next comment oh i did i did joseph bates here yeah yeah sorry. Joseph Bates, I've been postponing putting up my own site to get more work for my portfolio. I just need to bite the bullet and build it, even if it just if it's just mock-ups and sample work. Joseph, absolutely, you need to have a personal site. Mm -hmm. Something to represent you in your freelancing or your agency. If you do not have this and you want to make a name for yourself, this is step one. If you want a single sale, you need to do this. And yeah, maybe some people will comment and say, oh, I've gotten a sale without a portfolio. Doesn't matter. This is something you need. Yeah. And you're going to iterate on it. You're going to make it better and better. Your first version's not going to look the same as your fifth version, but you need that first version ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree hundred uh, percent. Susan McPhee, F and pro for life. That's me starting a minute ago. Welcome to the club. Nice. Appreciate you. Uh, Maria saying, I can't do sales, so I'm trying to create things that show what I can do so people can come to me. I'm not trying super hard, but already have a few people reaching out. Imagine if I give my all. This is it. This is literally the concept of inbound marketing, right? There's two types of marketing you can do, outbound and inbound. Outbound is you go, that's the flyer my friend's doing, and he's literally going to go put this flyer in people's hands. He's outbound making calls, I'm cold calling, whatever, right? So you're taking outbound activity to reach folks. Inbound activity is what Maria is talking about here, and that's doing things that get people's attention. This is the magical art. If you're new to inbound marketing, I um, you take a decade back and go review like all of HubSpot's blog, uh, and and just go see how that's kind of all evolved into this world now. But this is it. We're in demand marketing. This is what we're talking about. Maria, this is it. This is exactly what you should be doing. Is doing little things that help people stand out. To get that attention, you're starting to build trust. Maria is, is doing this, you know, like in this space a lot. She's saying she's not good at sales. She'd probably tell you she's not, you know, great at this, that, or the other, but that's not true. You know, I've seen her work. She's learning and she's starting to build trust in the space. I wouldn't be surprised if in a year or two from now, she's got more work than she can handle, right? And so this is a path that I see lots of people taking. So, um, and I, I, I do agree that it doesn't take a lot to start standing out just enough to get one lead or two leads or whatever it is. So, um, and Lucas, yeah, is remember, here. yeah, just asking what she's doing. So sorry, go ahead, Joe. Going back to the beginning of the episode, disclaimer, it's not easy. So to Maria, it's not going to be easy. Uh, and as you continue doing this process, it will become easier as you get better at it. So yeah, sales is hard and it, it can even be hard as you start to have a little bit more experience mm -hmm. because remember as you start getting better projects the sales may get more difficult speaking to a project that wants to spend a hundred thousand dollars is very different than speaking to a project that wants to spend five thousand yeah. dollars so 
there are levels to this. There are steps. But Maria, yep, doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Daniel breaks it down real simply here. Find your client's pain points and show them how you can solve them. That's it. You know, it's a little more complex than that when you get into the weeds of doing it on a consistent basis. But that's the, that's the essential flow. Um, Christopher saying, sharing your own knowledge can be a great organic tool. I've been hired just from answering questions in the Webflow forums. There's no classic sales involved. Yeah, I've gotten leads and closed deals just from clonable stuff. Just from being in the showcase, people find you. Next thing you know, we're talking on Twitter or we're talking in an email that they filled out on some form and it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. You know, and at that point, they're coming to you for a specific reason. They saw something they liked, right? If somebody's reaching out to you, you've already got the, the hard part of the sale done. <laughs> you know, like the hard part in sales is getting people to come say, hey, what are you selling? You know, like we were in in uh, the farmer's market this past weekend, and it made me remember being in some of the markets in Mexico, Joe, uh, where it's just like everyone is just, oh, come look at what I have. You know, a shot of tequila, a little thing, a little, a little trinket that I built, a little tapestry, some statuette, whatever it is. And everyone's like, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's it. That's the Internet. You know, it's the same thing. This is a real modern version of that same game, you know, and so uh, finding ways to start that conversation and get that attention. I don't know, uh, but but there's no shortage of methods or, or channels for that. Uh, Bullshark Creative here is saying found visual workflows and proposals help build client excitement and confidence in Webflow projects. Joe, we did some of that. Uh, any any thoughts on that comment? We did. Um, yeah. We did some visual proposals and found that they didn't really help the sale at all. Uh, some people liked them. Some people didn't care for them that much. I found that sending the statement of work was the easiest and best way to do it. It was very direct. Mm. We're ready to move forward. This is our official proposal. It covers everything that you wanted. When you sign, we're ready to start on the date that it says. Yeah. So visual workflow proposals, I'm not saying are bad but they happen to not work for our sales mm, process mm. and our sales flow. So yeah, this is a, this is a case by case basis. I know a lot of companies that use visual proposals, really nice PDFs or videos or whatever, and they do really well with it. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great comment. Yeah. It comes down to your sales process. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Joe that like the better I got at selling this stuff, the simpler my proposals and like statements of work got to the point where like at the end when I just, when I joined FinSuite, it was basically just bullet lists. Here's like, here's what we think. Here's, you know, some basic price elements. Here's a, a list of assumptions and here's what we're stating to do. And it was literally just, you know, a page or two of just that kind of stuff. Um, so, but I, I, like I agree with Joe, I think there's some agencies that do a good job of you know, building these whole fantastic little things. And some companies need that, right? Some companies want that. Some companies want to be courted. They want the whole, you know, kit and caboodle. They want, you know, some agency to roll out the red carpet and make this big pitch and go through the whole ordeal. And so there's value to be had on all of that. It just depends on your, your business model, like, like Joe said. So, uh, okay, let's see. Scott Humphrey, you want to take this one, Joe? Sure. Scott says, I've had a lot of inquiries from being ranked high on Google in my city and the client reading a blog post that I published a few years back on Webflow versus WordPress and why I use Webflow. Excellent. So this is what we talked about before with your work now 
can influence your career three years from now, four years from now. So yeah, Scott, that's great to hear. Scott got in early, wrote some content, and now he's getting those benefits. Love to see that. This is the unsung story of blogging slash content marketing in general, right? I haven't touched my personal blog in, I think since like 2018 in any meaningful way, all right? We talk, we joke about this all the time. It's still on WordPress. You know, it's not a Webflow site. One day it's going to happen before, like, I think May 5th, because that's when my WordPress server renews and I'm not paying that bill again. Um, but that legacy content in the context of helping you gain attention over time and the compounding value of creating content over time cannot be overstated here. I have articles online from five years ago, from eight years ago, that still drive thousands of page views per day, right? Like I checked my Google Analytics the other day and I still generate like, I don't know, 35 to 50,000 page views a month on my personal blog. I haven't written on that blog and I can't tell you how long. I don't, like, like I can't, I literally can't tell you how long it's been. And I still get people that reach out and read the different things and see this or see that. And so, yeah, Scott, exactly what you're saying here. It's like, you never know when the thing that you do is gonna touch the right person and pull them in. And again, put them into that, into your flywheel, put them into the top of your funnel so you can start, you know, get the little, my next graphic's gonna be the penny going down the flywheel, Joe. I'm gonna have like, my next Mario graphic's gonna be a penny going down the flywheel. Uh, I like that graphic. Yeah, uh, you you've brought that up a number of times on past episodes, and I really like how this graphic tells that story. The, you're selling the customer with the superpowers. You're not selling Webflow, and this is this helps get people excited, and this helps build trust. It really it just relates to every step that we've went through on this this show. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the visual, I saw it. I laughed out loud. I love it. <laughs> and yeah, I hope, you know, we bring this up in the future. Yeah, sure I'm going to, I'll share this on, on Twitter after the show. Um, I, I, yeah, we've brought this up a, a number of times. And last night I was like looking to the show notes and I was like, I'm going to actually like, we're going to, we're going to do this. Let, let's put this into visuals here. So, okay. Uh, let's see. There's more comments here. Scott, another Scott comment here. Being realistic is a huge one. So this is going back to where we were talking about being realistic. Uh, got a preach comment right before that. So I can imagine, uh, you know, one of us was probably on a soapbox. Um, let's be real. It's probably, probably me ranting about something. <laughs> being realistic is a huge one. You need to know if your work is 2k, 5k, 10k or 20k. If it isn't, don't waste time pushing working. That isn't going to help you grow. Put it to the side and learn from it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Tanner's following that up for us. We really started to dissect what's the real difference between 5k, 10k, 50 and hundred K projects holding the work constant. I believe it comes down to positioning and that story you tell. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't be like, I go back to, um, KP. If you remember during the open house was talking about like how now after like a few years of success and being in his current position, how people take him more seriously. And he's like, well, it's the same ideas. Like I'm literally telling people the same shit I was telling people three years ago, but three years ago, nobody wanted to listen, you know? And so what's the difference? Positioning. It's the story. It's leverage. It's other people are now telling people that, no, that's the guy to listen to for this stuff. 
You know, that's the trust. And you can do this by over delivering. Rob brings up a comment. When you over deliver, you become strong enough to upsell or know what to upsell for your next project. Mm. When you build something really cool that's not part of your 5K project, and it really is more of a feature for a 20K project, now you can tell the proper story to the 20K project. You have the resources, you have the storyline to say, hey, look at this badass thing that we built for this company. This qualifies for 20K. Yeah. They don't have to know that the company only paid 5K and that you over-delivered and you did great work for them. That's that's irrelevant. So yeah, the over-delivering, it really helps you get to that next level, jumping through these these different brackets. Yeah, I was gonna say right there that like you're I've never had a client ask me how much a previous client paid for a, a project that was finished. Yeah. Never, ever, ever happened. You know? So when I present uh and again, I don't I don't do this actively in my day to day roles anymore. But when I used to present these Webflow proposals, you know, like that number was not based on any previous work I'd done. When I made the jump into selling, you know, ten thousand dollar projects from five thousand dollar projects, I didn't announce that to the next person. I just priced that project to. I just jumped into that boat and I was like, well, here's how much this work's going to cost. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They bit. They're like, I, okay. And I was like, holy shit, how much money have I left on the table in the last couple of years? You know? So that's it. You know, like you just kind of, you got to just get into it and then figure out how to build on that. And yeah, just, just stack, stack. What's up, Grace? Welcome. Last uh, few minutes of the show here, the last Q&A. <laughs> Let's see. What's this? I used to call numbers on the side of the truck I saw on the turnpike. There's got there's some context that we're missing. I think that is in relation to the outbound sales. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that has never worked. Yeah, never worked for me. I, at least not with FinSuite. The outbound stuff seemed to not really work. The inbound stuff through our marketing initiatives, our resources, this type of show, this is what we see as working. Yeah, this is uh, Matt's talking about what worked for him. It's white labeling for other agencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, that's a way to do it. Uh, the problem with something like that is that you're, you know, like it's hard to grow your personal brand if you're white labeling work. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as like generating leads and keeping yourself busy, I know lots of people that have relationships like this. Um, I almost ended up in a relationship like this where there was just a guy who was really good at selling Webflow, you know, and he needed someone to deliver. Um, and the projects were kind of in a good price point, but not a lot, you know, but they were decent based on the type of work. And I was like, all right, I could see like letting somebody else do that and I'll get on the dev side of things. But um, I don't know, it just didn't, yeah, it, it, it didn't feel right. And, um, but it could for, for other folks, you know, I could see a lot of folks not wanting to get lost into the deep sales of this stuff. And it becomes easier to find these relationships, you know, where people feed you the work. So, and there's a lot of people looking for that work too. Yeah. You yeah. do, if you do that work, you could always get that work. Yep. Here's a good one, Joe. You can take this one. 
Farewell says took seven years for me to go from 300 to 10k.、Mm. Never stopped trying to get better. Hate my sites I built last year, but thought they were the shit at the time. Yeah, always getting better. And look at that, seven years to get from starting out to a place where we feel good. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a it's a process. Yeah, here's a good one from Hans. Hans, what differences are there in the five steps between selling Webflow design services for myself versus selling design services to hand off、mm. to another freelancer agency? Well, first, I have to know if you're talking about positioning this other freelancer agency inside your company, or are you actually making a referral?、Mm. Uh, That's I'm guessing making a referral because it's handing off to another freelancer agency. This is something that I see as a, a straight referral. Hey, I think this person would be great for your site. They'll help you. With that person you just referred the business to, you work out something where you get a percentage of that. I, I don't know. You, you, th- yeah, that needs to be more specific though. There's a lot of ways that can happen. Yeah, and I also see a simple way to just think about this is overlapping five step. You know, five steps of of the sale here. This five step five steps. It's like、uh, to say honestly, it should have just been the episode should have just been the five steps to every sale.、Uh, but you know, we're Webflow and we're trying to like you know, so we threw Webflow in the title.、Uh, but these five steps just happen. You know, like these are just the psychological process that people have to go through. Right. First, I have to have awareness. Otherwise, I can't spend money on something. So I'm I'm going to tell it from the client perspective now. So I have to have awareness. Otherwise, I can't spend money on a product. I have to be aware of what this product is claiming to do or service is claiming to do if it's going to fit my needs, right? So I need the story,、uh, you know. And then I've got to like decide, okay, I'm going to spend some money on this, so I want to make sure I spend it in the right place. So now I got to get to that trust phase, you know. And so these five steps just happen everywhere.、Uh, this could be in relationships. This could be, you know, like、um, I'm trying to think of a non-sales oriented one. Think of a friendship. Think of a dating scenario. Right, like your time, the person you're asking out on a date, they're de- deciding whether or not their time is worth your time, or your time is worth their time, rather. Right, and they're going to pay with time. Right, so remember when I went back to there's five.、Uh, I'm sorry, when you're interacting with any other human being, you're you're selling one of these four things: product, service, time, or idea. Right, and the person who you're interacting with is paying with one of those four things as well: time, service, product, or idea. And so in a dating situation, you're both paying with time. Right, and maybe you're pitching an idea, and she's paying with time, or vice versa, right? And so the currencies change when you get into Webflow, but the principles stay the same. The currencies change if you get into、uh, crypto, but the processes stay the same. The five steps are always the same. You know, you always have to get the attention. You always have to tell some kind of story that makes things relatable. You always have to build that layer of trust that makes them, you know, want to take that next step. And then once they take that next step, you got to reinforce that they made a good decision. By doing what you said, this is just basic psychology. This has nothing to do with Webflow. This has nothing to do with anything. This is like just stuff that comes up on over and over and over. And so, Hans, going back to your original question here, there's no difference. You know, not in the grand scheme of things. You just have to figure out at what point you're tra- handing that off. And I think that's what Joe was saying too. Is this like a full referral, and then it going at the beginning of their sales cycle? So you're just an attention engine for their step one, right? So you're just adding to their step one. Or is this interrupting your sales process at a different stage? But either way, those five steps are taking place as those transactions and those interactions happen. 
Um, so just keep that in mind. And Hans responds, I'll do the positioning, just need a designer. So I'm assuming that this designer will work under you, white label, this will be part of your agency. You treat them the exact same way. If you are bringing a designer on to do the work, you should be backing this work up as if it is your own. Mm. You have to stand by it 100%. If that designer messes up, it's your fault. If that designer doesn't design well, it's your fault. If that designer leaves in the middle of the project, it is your fault. So there is no difference. If you are bringing somebody into the agency and you are positioning them as your work, you need to stand behind it 100%. And I know that that's hard. That's not easy. When somebody screws you over personally, it's not easy for you. But you cannot transfer that blame and say, client, this isn't my fault. It's the designer's fault. You can't do that. So it's the same thing. No different. Yeah, it's your client. It's your responsibility. Yep. Yep. Uh, Grace, this is a good thought here uh, here saying, first year freelance, I tried to avoid white labeled slash dev work only so I could build my portfolio. Now I take them on because they're fun and I also have enough to show. So again, it just falls into your sales process, what you're trying to do. Um, Some of those can be fun because you're working with maybe bigger teams, right? When you're white labeling work like that, maybe you're working with a cool agency and they're gonna bring a client that maybe you wouldn't get on your own to the table. Maybe it gives you experience on different types of projects. There's lots of reasons why something like that would make sense. Um, going back to our original advice is just, you know, do what works for you and inside of your sales process. Um, great comment from, Oh, okay. Christian, the best way to get the best way to getting leads is making websites for community based web projects, because you have a lot of new potential clients in this community. Rymar, we were talking about, how this community is forgiving, this community is loud, this community is ready to work with you. So yeah, this is a nice strategy here. Yeah, and I don't even think he's talking specifically about this community. I think he's talking about the community you wanna be in. So I agree with what you're saying, Joe, is that in this community of Webflow, there's lots of ways to stand out, but I also think that maybe you could take that one step further, and if this is not what he's saying, this is how I'm interpreting it, find the community around the thing you're trying to get involved in, and stand out in that space. Do something cool in that mm-hmm. space and start generating attention again in an, another creative way that's not you know, traditional. I'd like to bring up a comment from Garrett. Garrett says, what do you do when the lead asks for an example of a hyper-specific design? For example, show me previous dental equipment marketplaces you've built. I've never built what they're asking for. This happens a lot. And it's, I think, very silly mm. for somebody to be so specific about what they want. Like, I And I think you need to tell them that in a nice way. <laughs> hey, I have never built a dental website, but I have built this website and this website, which have a very similar site structure, a similar layout type, and it's just switching the colors and the graphics and the content. I can do any type of site, a dental website, a construction website, anything. So I would communicate to that client that the, the hyper topic is not necessary. It, it just doesn't matter. That building in Webflow, building a website is much more than that, that final layer of the, the content. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how I approach it. Yeah, <clears throat> and this is why having that niche or finding a target you know, that you want to sell into is good because eventually you can get to the place where you do have like good credibility of work. But I agree with Joe that, you know, 
the odds of you having done exactly what somebody's looking for in the exact way they want it as an example case is like an unrealistic expectation. And I think that you'll get better at just reshifting those client expectations and using what's in your arsenal to like deflect that objection. Cause that's probably, maybe there's something else underlying that objection, you know, maybe like, what is it they're actually looking for in that case? Um, that you haven't done a good job of expressing that, that, you know, the trust in. So that's what I would look for there is like, what's deeper under that objection or how do you reframe it to them so that they see it as a different, you know, a different approach. Yeah. Um, Nicholas saying <clears throat> for me, it was also very important to leave the signature on the footer, maybe with a discount. Okay. Mm, this is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, some companies will let you do this. Some companies won't, you know, so some, some, some sites, this fits, um, but yeah, I do like that. You know, whenever you can get your get your link in the bottom of a, especially if it's a cool website. You know, if they'll let you get your get your link or credit somewhere on there, that'd be great. Um, take this one, Joe. Actually, this is a good one, yeah. From Nicolay, where do you think we need to put the most effort mm. into actions to find more clients, such as cold calls, or building a strong portfolio and showing the work? I will say a definite yes towards building a strong portfolio and showing the work. Because when you do your actions to find the clients and then there is no strong portfolio, you have nothing to move forward with. You can't build the trust, step three. You can't, uh, you can't tell the story, step two, without that portfolio. So you need the portfolio before you you really put a lot of effort into that that cold calling or or any type of lead generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, and I would also say that the outbound stuff in this context is typically a little less effective than the inbound. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what you want to try to do in this case is find a way, and we talked about this in the brand building is. How do you put yourself in the direct path between, you know, like your objectives and the customer's objectives, right? Your objective is to sell a website. The customer's objective should be to buy a website. Otherwise you're selling to the wrong people, you know, and you're never going to sell a website to somebody who doesn't want to spend money on a website. Um, and, and it's hard to control that relationship if you're doing the outbound stuff, right? Cause you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know what part of the sales cycle they're in. Whereas if somebody's reaching out to you, you already know, Hey, this person's interested in web design. Otherwise, why are they reaching out to you? And so I would say, focus on the stuff that does more to bring the folks in, you know, spend very little time reaching out to people, unless you know specifically that they need your stuff or you're trying to get on their radar for something, or there's an RFP out or something like that. Um, the rest of your time should really be spent on creating the resources that will pull people who are interested in what you're selling into you. And then the game becomes, how do you find more people that are that, right? How do you find more people on their path to wanting a website? And that's where all the stuff we talked about comes in with the attention, with the blogging, the content, the community, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Uh, what else do we, any more questions? We're at yeah, we're 120, 120 Eastern. Uh, Peter saying too, too late, but hello everyone. Fazlu, hello, I'm a little late, all good. Design is design no matter what. Yeah, yep. Nice. Uh, okay, thank you, Garrett. We appreciate you. Uh, same thing, Nicolay, for sure. 
Uh, and then Proximo saying, yeah, one step one portfolio, step two, use it to get clients. That's it. So fuck the five step process. Proximo just did it in two. Let's go get it, y'all. <laughs> There's no excuses now. <laughs> uh, Christian Schmidt saying, I have a good experience with making fixed prices. The client know how much it costs and helps to sell. Also, you're forced to more work work efficiently and time savings. Yeah, there's lots of pricing we've talked about. Uh, I think we have an episode specifically on how to price your Webflow websites. It talks about, you know, fixed price and time and materials or, you know, like all sorts of different models, retainers, et cetera. So, um, Josh, can you list the pros and cons for focusing revenue for new builds versus maintenance work? What episode was that, Joe? We should just refer him back to that. Um, we just I... talked about this like literally last week or two weeks ago, I think about some of this, right? How to make money yeah. with Webflow, I think the episode was, or something like that, about the different models, or I, I don't know. Um, yeah. We're probably too late in the episode, Josh, um, but I would I would explore uh, some of the past episode about making money with Webflow. And I, I remember specifically talking about the maintenance versus the fixed stuff and how we just added that, like, in one of the last couple episodes, so I, I don't know. Here's a good yeah, one. Yeah, and let... Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I don't want to leave them. Uh, I'll give a, a short answer here. Okay. Uh, there, there's no official revenue benefit for new builds or maintenance. It could be better or worse for the other. New builds are going to help grow your portfolio. Maintenance work is not going to grow your portfolio. Mm. That's the biggest thing I see. It's not necessarily a revenue question. It's a do I want more and more and more portfolio items or do I want to focus really hard on these few clients and just help maintain them. Yeah. The revenue could be more or less for either option, but that's that's how I like to look at this, Josh. Yep, nice. Um, John here is saying, and I'm gonna send this one up for you, Joe, I'm not a designer or in an agency, just improving my own site using all the FinSuite tools and training. I plan to hire someone from this community in the future. Great sales info here. Okay, so I, th I thought there was a, a question coming, but I Nice. Yeah, just kudos. Uh, nice. Good luck on that, John. Keep us posted. Um, and this goes for anybody out there. If you're watching these episodes, if you're listening to this stuff, uh, these are now available in audio format. So I've even found myself listening back, kind of like cringing a little at some of those early episodes. But uh, whatever, just to make sure, you know, like we're not out here talking total bullshit when we're doing these episodes. But uh, take this stuff in. And if you're learning from this, let us know. You know, send us a message and say, hey, you know, like this thing worked for me or this didn't work for me or, hey, we just landed this client. Thanks for, you know, whatever. Like, I, I, we like to know. We like to know what y'all are doing with this stuff and to know that we're not just, you know, sending this stuff out into the ether without any real connection points. So if anything resonates with you or, you know, if you if, if any of this leads to success in your professional path, we would love to know about that um, just just to kind of report back to the crowd. So and if we don't hear from you, we'll just end the show. We'll we'll just cancel the show it, completely and, and stop doing it. So yeah. it's it's one or the other. That's it. Yep. <laughs> Sixty episodes, only forty away from our hundred wow. mark, Joe. Yeah, nice. Yep. That's going to be a party. Uh, Hans Lund, great session. We'll have to go through it again. Yes, I think nice. sometimes these are uh, good to go back and dissect a little bit. Um, and same thing with the format. You know, if like there's something in the format that y'all'd like to see, or you know, if one flow feels better than the other. Uh, today we didn't buy fluke technical fluke we didn't do as many questions in the middle of the stream as we usually do 
Um, I think in this context, it was good because it was like getting through those five steps and kind of like that whole flow, almost more like a presentation felt right. But um, I like the interactive stuff. So anyway, we're open to criticisms about anything, even the format. Nice work. Yeah. Trying to soak up the Webflow stuff. Let's see. <laughs> Peter, this is telling us to, that he doesn't have an official portfolio, but having more work than he can take portfolio in the work, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That happens again when your work stands out, when you do good stuff, when you have that trust, you know, you can skip steps. Mm-hmm. When you don't have those things, you can't skip any steps, you know? Um, but when you know what you're doing, you can dance around. It's like uh, any sales training position I've ever been in, you start with a script, right? You start with kind of like, here's the core thing that the people at the top who've been doing this for a while have outlined as effective for selling this product. Literally every sales process I've ever started kind of works with some framework like that. The best salespeople then take those things, that little bit of framework, that little bit of guidance, that little script or whatever, and then make it their own, you know? And they embellish it. They, you know, find ways to do things. And as they get more and more experience in making those sales, they figure out the little shortcuts that lead to you know, hey, the 80-20 rule, right? So I can, I get 20, I get 80% of my results from 20% of this work. Let me focus 80% of my time on the 20% of things, right? And so you get better at doing that stuff. But when you're first starting out, you kind of got to go through all those things. You kind of got to get to the point where you have that base structure. And so if this is you, if you're just starting in the, in the Webflow sales space, again, don't take our stuff as the gospel. Go look at lots of different things. Go experiment with lots of stuff. Start just playing around and exploring and experimenting. And then once you start finding the things that work, focus in on that stuff and double down and then experiment with variations of those things, right? Until you find the thing that really works for you and then double down on that. Start building those flywheels, you know, around different things. And maybe that's around clonable stuff. Maybe that's starting a Patreon. Maybe that's starting a YouTube. Maybe it's starting a meetup, right? And maybe your meetup flywheel is like, hey, we got five people at the first attendance. We want eight people at the next one and then 10 or 15 people at the next one. And you never know where that matriculates out. We've talked about the benefits of doing those things on these shows but just find the things that work and do more of that. And then start ignoring the stuff that doesn't work and then just keep iterating on that and you'll eventually get there. Uh, And yeah, like Peter's saying here, you don't always need to follow all the rules. You don't need a portfolio in all the cases. So great point Mm -hmm. there. Um, Let's see, Maria, giveaway for the 100th episode. Yeah, we'll we'll do something fun for the 100th, but we got 40 at least weeks uh, today to get to that. Gay <laughs> Perez video looks super crispy today. Let's go. I can't. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna. Um, I'll just do this one. I'll just do this one for the screen. Uh, okay. Anything else coming in here before we bounce out of here? I think that's it. This was a great episode. I had a great time talking about it. Nice. So, yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah I'll, I'll end with this one from Matt. Cause I, it doesn't hurt to join your local chamber of commerce. Um, we have other episodes with that. I got my first web client from uh, chamber of commerce. So sure. It does not hurt. Um, you, you, there's lots of stuff to be had in your local business. I know we talk a lot about getting global and whatever, but there's still a lot of value in your local markets. So, uh, whatever works for you. So I think that's the take of this is there's this little process that works, you know, in the concept of generating attention, starting to tell a story at scale and using that story to build trust to then build your sales, right? Like that's kind of the goal is about that overall flywheel. So uh, find how your process fits into those five steps 
find out how your workflow fits into those things. Just know that you have to kind of check all those boxes on the way to building something successful in this space. So anyway, appreciate everyone. Like before you go, peeps. There you go, Maria. Tell them one more time. Uh, Lucas Machado, great episode and subject. Thanks again, Reimar and Joe. Yeah, these are the ones we love to riff on because this is stuff is native to us, you know? Mm -hmm. Webflow and sales. That's why we do this growth episode. Literally, Joe and I are both sales geeks and Webflow geeks. So, <laughs> yep. Nice. Okay, that's it. Appreciate y'all. Roland, uh, great stream again. I'm planning to venture out on my own and hope to use everything I'm learning from you guys. Amazing. Again, let us know how that's that goes. Fun. Yeah, awesome. Um, this has been a great stream. Thank you for your encouragement and sharing your expert experience. You too, Joseph. Thanks you. We appreciate you, the, those comments. Great tips from the crowd. Great. Okay. Thanks so much. We'll catch y'all later. Um, again, remember and Pros. We've got our first pros only hangout the third Wednesday of this month. We'll be sending an email with details about that. Make sure you check your calendar in your dashboard. Otherwise, we'll catch y'all uh, Thursday. Ooh. Probably trivia this Thursday. Just saying. Uh, we'll let Ooh. you know. We'll let you know after the talk Wednesday. We're doing uh, some scale testing Wednesday, and so we'll let you know for sure Wednesday. But uh, Thursday could be a lot of fun, anyway. So, okay, bye.